I always tell my employees, it's a, probably a terrible analogy. You cannot work at the lost and found luggage area inside of an airport and not expect people to be upset every time they come to your counter, right? And you have to be able to be okay with that scenario and be there to be empathetic and you know, uh, let them know you're gonna solve their problem. Technology is transforming how we think, how we lead, and how we win. From InterVision, this is Status Go, the show helping IT leaders move beyond the status quo, master their craft, and propel their IT vision. Ever wonder what goes on behind the scenes at a network operations center or a security operations center, NOC or SOC for short? Your organization may operate a NOC or a SOC focused on your company. But what about a NOC and SOC that support hundreds of different organizations? Ever wonder how they manage to support your network and your security, along with many others, and do it in a timely and efficient manner? Today, we're going to go behind the scenes a little bit of InterVision's own Network Operations Center. Welcome to a day in the life of an Ops Center manager with Ben Martin. Ben's the Vice President of Managed Services for InterVision. Welcome to Status Go, Ben. Thank you for having me. I'm really looking forward to our conversation t- today, Ben. I know you and I have had a chance to work together for, gosh, four or five years now uh, since uh, since I joined uh, InterVision. And to watch you work and manage what you manage is, is I, I look at it in amazement almost every single day, man. So I, I can't wait to get into this. But before we do, I'd love for you to share a little bit of back uh, about your background. What's your career journey been like? How did how did you end up being vice president of managed services for InterVision? <laughs> uh, well, my my career journey has been um, fairly linear. Um, I uh, I started off um, while going to college for my degree in computer management information systems. I worked in retail. And uh, working in retail, you deal with customers of all sorts, um, and it really uh, it really helped develop my um, kind of customer focus. Working at uh, at at box retail stores, selling services, I spent a little bit of time um, uh, in commission sales uh, through you know through college, and then. Um, when I graduated uh, with my degree in computer management information systems, I started on the help desk, and I was in the operations center um, uh, as my first role, uh, supporting customer network environments. And I've I've been I've I've been there ever since, um, leading uh, you know uh, engineering and then leading teams, leading engineering teams, um, you know moving into management and then um, kind of uh, following a, a traditional career path of, you know, senior manager, director, um, and now um, having the responsibility of, uh, of a pretty diverse set of, uh, of, of individuals. Now, when you got your, your start in, the, in that help desk, service desk role, was it, was it for a service provider or was it for um, a single organization? That's a good question. No, I was working for a service provider, um, and we were supporting multiple customers. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had, you know, I had to be able to move from supporting a financial institute to support to supporting a um, restaurant uh, business to supporting a retail outlet. So you had a a, a, a wide uh, set of 
of individuals that you spoke to who were both technical savvy and sometimes not not savvy at all. Not so much. Yeah. 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 Well, that that really set you up well for the career progression. So so now as uh, vice president of managed services for Intervision, what's your what's your areas of responsibility? What what cascades up to you in the organization? So I have under my responsibility um, the uh, operation center, which is your, you know, as you described it, the network operations center, security operations center. Um, uh, those are the folks that are answering the phone and responding to customer tickets in a managed services environment. I also have the responsibility of the uh, in, uh, data center infrastructure team. So they're, they're the engineers behind the scenes that are ke- keeping the data centers up and running through um, both uh, break fix activities as well as lifecycle management, refreshing hardware as it uh, as it ages. Um, another aspect of my business is uh, compliance and uh, change management. So my team is responsible for reviewing all of our comp- compliance requirements around like SOC 2.0, achieving that every year, um, working with customers on any kind of compliance requirements that they may have in order to deliver the business. Um, and then uh, finally, I have a team that manages uh, uh, more of a customer forward um, uh, uh, set of responsibilities. They are client service uh, uh, managers and uh, client service engineers. The, the client, they, they, they're a product that we sell um, for uh, customers who are looking for a higher level of intimacy inside their environment. Many customers may ask us, you know, when they, when they uh, purchase our managed services, um, how do I maintain that same level of intimacy as the folks that are that are doing it today inside your organization? And one way for us to uh, provide that is through client service delivery management and client service engineering. So it gives them that that uh, more personal touch because they really have a chance to get to know the environment, the specific client environment. Right. That's right. That's right. And in these instances, they're either dedicated or designated. Um, The great thing is, is a a company may come to us for managed services, but they don't need a full resource to provide that level of intimacy. So we can, you know, um, provide a a fraction of an engineer's Mm -hmm. time to get in, support the environment, look at things like um, version of code, look at um, uh, the device and uh, be aware of uh, end of support, end of life uh, requirements and uh, work with the client to uh, ensure that their needs are best met. Well, and, and I know, Ben, like a lot of our clients, as over the last several years, they've been migrating to cloud. So too has InterVision yes. uh, in, in our cloud practice. Does that fall under your area as well, managing customers' clouds environments? It does, yeah. So um, we have cloud professional services that help with the migration of uh, workloads to the cloud. But then um, once they're in the cloud, supporting those cloud environments flow through my team as well. That's correct. Okay. okay. Absolutely. Well, let's, let's talk about a day in the life of Ben Martin. So what, <laughs> what things do you have to pay attention to on a daily basis as you're uh, looking out across the managed services? Um, I think, you know, my, my, my day or, or week um, is, uh, is split into a couple different areas. First and foremost is solving problems for our clients. You know, whether I have scheduled meetings or, uh, or uh, planned activities that day, <laughs> um, our customers come first. So if there's an issue that arises that needs um, uh, my level of involvement, whether through an escalation, coaching, guidance, or, or providing feedback or input to the team, 
you know, I'd say that my entire organization, that's, that's their, you know, number one priority is helping solve problems for our clients. Um, outside of that, you know, kind of the, the, uh, the routine, I'll have uh, daily, t- uh, 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 weekly team meetings um, with my organization. I meet with um, both my, my team as a, uh, as a group, and then I meet with my leadership team uh, as well. Uh, so we'll spend uh, we'll spend each week going through different KPIs, uh, customer satisfaction, survey scores, looking at SLA performance, um, measuring our business against our, uh, our against our goals and objectives. Mm-hmm. And so that's done on a on a weekly basis. Um, we're also you know building action plans for any areas where you know those uh, numbers may be off, um, and uh, and measuring them against our uh, our, our different criteria mm-hmm. outside of our, our, I would say reoccurring team meetings that I have both at my level down and my level up. Um, I'm also, uh, heavily involved in, um, our product development process. Mm-hmm. We have a, a group of, uh, uh, team members that come together cross-functionally across the company that participate in what we call centers of excellence. And those mm-hmm. centers of excellence are, are centered around certain product verticals infrastructure, cloud, um, resiliency, um, and we meet uh, uh, weekly or biweekly to talk about both existing um, product opportunities, future product uh, roadmap, you know, or endeavors that we're going to take on. And then also, you know, as a a member from the managed services uh, team, I'm providing direct feedback from our customers Mm -hmm. into those product meetings. So if things are going well, you know, providing that if there's shortfalls in either our ability to monitor or, you know, elements of the product that our customers are looking for more of, you know, I'm acting as that customer advocate inside of those meetings as well. Kind of the voice of the customer. I, I I love that because you know product teams really need to hear what's what's resonating with clients, what might not be working as well, what things do they have on their list. So I I think that center of excellence uh, structure is a is a great one uh, for Intervision. And I know uh, many of our listeners, you probably have centers of excellence uh, as well. Uh, I know that's a, a practice in a lot of IT shops. Uh, I want to go back a little bit, Ben, and and dive into the the customer focused, the customer support side. When you when you think about the metrics that you use to guide your organization, what things are on your scorecard? What what things are you paying attention to? That's a good question. I think there's a um, a balance that that we try to strike between solving things quickly and solving things well for our customers. So many of our, our the things in our scorecard um, are oftentimes competing. You know, we're, mm-hmm. we measure uh, service level objectives, service level agreements, and, and that's really how quickly we can get to solving a ticket. Um, each of those have three different levels of measurement, whether it's how, how quickly we, we respond, how soon an engineer is assigned, and then how quickly it's resolved. So mm-hmm. each each issue that we that we face um, has those three different milestones that we're looking to meet. Um, but kind of a, a, an umbrella metric that we measure on top of all that is client satisfaction. Mm-hmm. Whether it's through transactional survey scores, every time we solve an issue, we ask our customers how well we did. And it's mm-hmm. a simple, you know, did we do well? Did we do mediocre? Or did we do poor? 
Um, and then, and, and that's our, our level of, uh, kind of the balance between solving it quickly versus solving the cu customer's issue or needs, you know, uh, as they, uh, as they come up mm -hmm. and kind of a parallel to that is our NPS or net promoter score, which is really kind of how the company is doing. But we, we take, you know, we take a hard look at a lot of our, uh, net promoter score survey results as well, because they're all, you know, we, we interact with the customers every day. So we have a, mm -hmm. a, an opportunity to drive that number up or down. And so it's something that we look at uh, very regularly. How do you, how do you balance um, speed and efficiency with making sure that the problem is fixed, the root cause is addressed and taken care of? How do you, how do you balance that? And how do you coach your teams to balance that? That, um, you know, it's, it's not easy. Um, we've built, a, we've built a lot of, uh, I would say, um, uh, uh, internal capabilities within our tools to help route tickets as efficiently as possible. Um, you know, we are, um, an idle, uh, based shop. So everything we do is, is founded in idle best practices and, you know, we're, uh, processes is, is, is key inside of this organization the, you know, if I can ensure that everyone is doing, th doing things as close to the same as possible, then we can ensure a consistent output. Um, but uh, above having processes and procedures in place, we've built mechanisms inside of our tools to ensure that uh, aging tickets are addressed um, as soon as possible by our engineers. I've worked at places before where engineers just kind of got to cherry pick what they wanted to work on. And, mm -hmm. it, and it didn't really always drive the best experience for the customer. And so we've built mechanisms inside of ServiceNow where as a ticket ages, it gets uh, elevated in, uh, in visibility to our engineers. And it's a, it's a way for us to help ensure that, you know, P1s, P2s, P3s, and changes are all addressed, you know, um, uh, as needed. Otherwise, you'll just, you know, spend all of your day on P1s and never get yeah. to the lower priority issues. And so, you know, having both tools and processes in place helps. But I think, you know, you know, to answer your question around how do we help our engineers balance it, you know, first and foremost is solving the customer problem, you know, and making sure that their needs are met. So, you know, it's part of our coaching and practicing, you know, and, and, uh, and education that we do with our staff is to ensure that um, our customers' needs are met first and foremost. Mm -hmm. So you're, you're really... Uh, if you've got uh, an incident that a customer's having and it it blows out the SLA because it just took too long to fix, in a way that's okay if the if the right actions were being done during that time, right? Absolutely. I mean, SLAs are are you know table stakes in in this business, but they're not the only measure of success. And mm -hmm. you know, I I would much rather my team go. Um, out of bounds on SLA to solve a customer's problem than be worried about how quickly they're solving it. Now, we look at outliers and SLAs as, as means of gaps in, in our processes. Mm -hmm. if, we're, if we're struggling in a certain area, SLAs are a good way to identify either coaching, training needs inside of, inside of a specific team. But generally, SLAs are there just to kind of keep the machine moving. But, you know, customer satisfaction is king. Yeah, yeah. And I want to I want to jump now back over to the the product development side the the centers of excellence side. 
What are some of the conversations like, and you don't have to reveal any trade secrets or anything like that, but, but how do those conversations go in those teams in general, when you're talking about maybe a, a new feature to an existing product? Yeah. I'm, I mean, uh, the, the great thing about our centers of excellence is it's a, uh, um, a, a, combination of resources from all facets of the company, finance, marketing, um, product management, obviously, um, usually someone from sales, operations, and then engineering. So it's a it's a, uh, a set of individuals that come from diverse backgrounds that are really there to kind of help build the best products available. And so when we're looking at you know, either an enhancement to a service or expanding a service offering, you know, we're looking at, um, you know, the marketability of it. We're looking at the supportability of it. We're talking about, you know, the requirements that we need to bring it to market, whether it's um, uh, collateral and material for the sales team or, um, you know, written instructions for the folks that are delivering it, right, yeah. in, in a consistent manner. So it gives everyone a voice in that meeting to ensure that the, the rollout of those products are as uh, smooth and successful as, pro- as possible. Yeah, the, the, the bane of every engineer's existence, documentation, right? And, yeah. and, and, yeah. and with, with those services, you've got to cover day zero, day one, and day two type uh, processes as you're documenting that does that does that take place in the COE or is that dispersed out to the to the respective groups? So it's the COE is more like the project plan, and then you know the execution of of those elements are taken outside of that call. But then we come back and we're 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 checking on statuses of of where we're at in that journey. And it may not always be new product development; it may be enhancing a certain yeah, offering yeah. or discussing whether we want to move to you know, version 14 for our collab service, right? And what would be required in order to do that, right? So it's it's not all, you know, similar so, uh, similar methodology um, mm-hmm. applied to lifecycle management of our services, as well as, you know, d- uh, the discovery and deployment of new services. Well, in lifecycle, I imagine at times the conversation uh, is about, well, what, uh, what product or service has has outlived its usefulness. Which ones do we need to retire? Uh, For sure. How does the group address those types of things? We're looking at both, you know, the existing um, fleet of, of of services that we've already sold. You know, we're talking to customers during our QBRs on kind of where we see things going. You know, you know their interest in those areas as well. That that information and feedback is getting you know uh, funneled back to the 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 centers of excellence and the COE meetings, um, and you know sometimes uh, uh, services that are longer in the tooth aren't a bad thing, right? Customers yeah. like they like consistency, they like stability, and so um, you know we have a fair amount of customers that aren't wanting the next hottest technology out there. They want something that's stable and reliable. And so, you know, we'll, we'll tend to carry, you know, older services on as long as they're Mm -hmm. still under, you know, uh, manufacturer support. But, um, you know, those are absolutely a a cornerstone to a piece of our business. Well, and I know we, we've talked a lot in, in the past about the, the concept of, of AC projects versus CF projects and the, 
And uh, for our listeners who may not be familiar with that, it's a grading scale. And uh, sometimes uh, some of the projects that IT shops get into, the best grade you can ever get is a C. Think, right. think email delivery, that kind of thing. Um, and so a lot of times these, these older services are for our clients to offload some of that C to F work so That's that right. they can focus on the A to C work, right? That's exactly right. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I think we do really well is, um, is helping our customers free up time to be more strategic. Yeah. And, and so our, our team is there to, um, uh, assist customers with the things that just bog them down every day. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and we've seen, we've seen a lot of customers who, after they've gone through that journey, have really recognized the value of, of leveraging a partner like us so that, um, you know, they're not on the phone with, with vendors or carriers, you know, for hours on end, they can just get status updates from us and let us, you know, handle it for them. Yeah. Well, I asked a similar question earlier, but I'm going to, I'm going to phrase it a little bit differently. Now in the operations center at InterVision, you're dealing with hundreds of, of, of clients. So there has to be this mountain of work coming at you uh, in your teams every day. How do you keep up with that amount of work? Um, uh, as best we can. Um, <laughs> uh, so, you know, uh, uh, we've, we've built a lot of automation into our tools uh, to help reduce some of the repeat activities and tasks that are involved. Um, we've, we've certainly um, spent years developing um, what I would consider to be industry best practices around process and procedure to eliminate as much waste as possible in the daily activities of the team. Um, and then some of the intelligence that we've built into ServiceNow around the way that the, uh, the tickets route appropriately, whether it be in an automated fashion or um, uh, through business rules that we've got really helps us focus, you know, and, and puts the next important thing in front of our engineer. And that next important thing may not always be a priority one, right? It might be yeah. a priority three ticket that's aging that needs to be addressed above a priority two that came in like 10 minutes ago, right? Yeah. So having that business intelligence on the back end really um, takes a lot of the guesswork out of my team. And that guesswork takes time and cycles away um, yeah. that helps them be more efficient. Um, we've also you know, implemented uh, some tools and automation for some of our services to enable customers for self-service. That, that self-service capability um, allows, uh, allows them to um, input a, a series of uh, requirements in it and get changes done without an engineer ever having to, uh, to be involved. Or if they are involved, the involvement's much less. Yes. You know, yeah. so, so we've en enabled an, uh, uh, automation for both my team to leverage as well as for customers to leverage directly. Many of our listeners, some of our listeners might be thinking that, gosh, they would really love to uh, one day manage a knock, manage a sock. Um, in other words, they, they would love to sit in your seat, right, Ben? Sure. Um, what are some of the challenges that you have to face that, that others in this role have to face? What are some of the things you have to deal with? 
I mean, there's there's always uh, challenges of competing priorities, right? Delivering services as quickly as possible with the highest level of quality, um, and and doing it calmly, right? Yeah. Customers customers often come to us and their house is on fire. You know, their services are impacted. Maybe they're they're losing revenue because of the business impact. So they're they're walking into the scenario already in a position where it's it's uh, highly stressful. Um, and being able to work in a high stress environment um, is uh, is absolutely key. Um, but you also have to love working with customers and love solving problems. You know, mm-hmm. we do that's basically what we do every day is solve complex challenges for our customers, you know, as as quickly and efficiently as possible. Um, I think I think some of the challenges that we run into is is around making sure that we have uh, uh, the appropriate resources staffed yep. at the appropriate time for the workload that's coming in. It's a, you know, my role, I'm constantly looking at metrics mm-hmm. um, for uh, both uh, engineer availability, um, volume, you know, uh, data, whether it be cyclical or, or you know, looking at uh, ensuring that we've got the, the appropriate engineer to workload ratio. Um, and, uh, and then uh, on top of that, working with like finance and 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 sitting with sales, both from a forecasting standpoint as well as a supporting standpoint, you know. So th- this role is certainly multifaceted. You know, yeah. um, it's both uh, customer advocate, um, employee advocate, and then you know partnering with your peer organizations for sure. That that resource management has got to be a little bit of art mixed with science to be able to to. Uh, forecast that appropriately. I think the other thing that uh, has got to be on the top of your mind is, is how do you keep up with technologies changing so fast? Uh, how, yeah. do you, how do you do that? And how do you help your teams do that? I mean, the, 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 the ever changing pace of technology is definitely something that, you know, uh, adds a dynamic to this role, you know, hiring people that want to learn, you know, and grow is, is definitely key. You know, we offer employees a, uh, a wide range of technologies that they get access to, you know, unlike uh, an individual, um, you know, a customer who has maybe a, a, a solely Meraki environment, you know, that, that employee may only see Meraki devices that, you know, for the next three years. In, in my environment, we're moving from one technology to the next from ticket to ticket, right? From mm-hmm. day to day. So they get a wide range of, of, uh, of uh, technology at their fingertips. That's both a great thing for those that are hungry to learn and a challenge because they're always, you know, they're always touching something different or something new. We spend a lot of time focused on training, um, both uh, providing uh, vendor-led training as well as giving employees um, uh, incentives for achieving certifications. And so it's a you know it's we're we're a we're we're a, a teaching hospital as they yeah, as they yeah. say often right like you yeah. learn on the job sometimes but you're also learning constantly uh, new technologies and it's a uh, it, it's great. It's great. Our, our, our employees love it because they get to touch a lot of different things. So what happens when things go wrong? Because things break, right? Sure. Processes break sometimes. How, how do you handle that? 
Well, I mean, first and foremost, it's getting the customer, you know, if it's, if it's an issue that is affecting a customer, it's getting their issue solved as, you know, as quickly as possible. And then if, if something, if, if something goes wrong during that process, we'll typically have like a 360 analysis, you know, to review um, the activities that led up to the issue, what transpired during the issue, and then really looking at lessons learned on what we could do differently and either adjusting processes or procedures, you know, for any kind of found gaps through that analysis or, you know, working with our employees, you know, it could be a coaching or training opportunity, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's a big part of what we do is coaching and training employees, you know, all, all up, uh, up and down the stack. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to brag on Ben here a little bit because he won't do it himself. Um, (laughs) The, 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 when things go wrong aspect of his job, uh, a lot of times customers are, uh, as he said earlier, their house is on fire, right? They're, they're upset. Um, I have never seen anyone who can go into the face of a storm uh, and remain calm and also spread that calmness throughout everybody else. Um, uh, Ben, I think that's a a great gift that you bring to this role is that ability to be empathetic, show that sense of urgency for the client, but with that underguiding calmness that spreads through not only your internal team, but spreads to the client as well. So uh, kudos to you on that. Thank you. Thank you. You know, it's, uh, um, it's, it's something that we, you know, work to, you know, coach and train our employees, which is demonstrating confidence, you know, in the face of adversity. Yeah. You may not always have the answer, but, you know, you can find an answer and, and helping communicate that is, is important. And staying, staying in communication and setting realistic expectations is really yeah. important as well, right? Throughout, throughout an issue or throughout a problem, making sure that you're communicating frequently and setting kind of next action milestones so that everyone knows kind of what's occurred, what's going on now and what we're doing next is really important to kind of help, you know, calm a situation. Well, so this is a tough job. Um, managing a knock, managing a sock uh, has is very complex. It can be very challenging. So Ben, why do you do what you do? What's your why? What do you get out of this? Um, <laughs> uh, I, I love it. Um, <laughs> I, I, I really, do. and you have to, right? You have to love it. And um, I, I always... I always tell my employees it's a probably a terrible analogy, but um, you cannot you cannot work at the lost and found uh, luggage area inside of an airport and not expect people to be upset every time they come to your counter, right? And yeah. you have to be able to be okay with that scenario and be there to be empathetic and you know uh, let them know you're going to solve their problem. And that's a lot of what we do is um, is helping customers. In, an, in a time where, you know, things are not great for them because oftentimes things are broken. Not all the time. They come to us to execute standard changes or, or roll things out that, you know, uh, are moving their business forward. But you have to love what you do. And I absolutely love what I do. Um, I, I get a lot of satisfaction from helping customers. Mm-hmm. I love building teams and uh, helping other people be successful and grow. 
Um, I love organizational de uh, design and development. So solving problems from an organization standpoint and looking at where, you know, uh, how we could better do things evolving the organization from where it is today to where it needs to go is, is something that I, I truly am passionate about. It sounds like you're in your dream job. <laughs> yeah, I, I really am. I, you know, when I was in school, um, folks would always ask me, you know, what are you going to do when you get out? I was like, I have no idea. I, I want to, but, but, uh, but this is, this is absolutely it. So um, yeah, I, I really enjoy what I do. Well, I'm going to ask you to gaze into your crystal ball a little bit, Ben. What's the, what's next in the world of ops center, ops center management? What's coming down the pipe? I think we're going to see a, uh, um, a convergence of um, kind of custom and standard support. You'll we'll see more of kind of that DevOps model as uh, as technologies move into the cloud. Um, you know that traditional uh, stack of you know layer one, layer two, layer three becomes really really converged inside the cloud. And so having folks that are adept in multiple areas to not only deploy, but then continue to evolve uh, customer environments in, in, in cloud native uh, solutions is gonna require probably a different model than what we've traditionally built around um, an operation center, which is around having a, an army of tier ones and tier twos, and then smaller you know, groups of tier three and tier four engineering teams. It'll, it'll probably be more pod centric where mm -hmm. there's a cluster of engineers that are supporting a handful of customers in a more designated model. But, you know, that, that landscape is constantly shifting, you know, so yeah. it, it's keeping an eye on that and where that's heading is probably, you know, where I see things moving next, you know, that and automation, right. Yeah. Automating more and more to, uh, to help um, uh, provide more value for our customers for sure. Well, Ben, we're about out of time, but before I let you go, I, I've got to ask you the question that I ask all of our guests, because we are all about action here on Status Go. So what are one or two things that our listeners should do tomorrow because they listen to our conversation today? Yeah, I've thought about, uh, I've thought about this a little bit. And, uh, um, you know, what, one thing I would say is, if if you're if you're managing a team of folks today, you know, looking at what your team's doing um, on a daily basis and asking yourself, is that moving your business forward? And um, you know, uh, taking a look at the activities that your organization is doing and saying, am I able to address the the needs of the future with the folks and the resources that I have today, or could I, you know? you know, partner with an, an InterVision managed services to take over some of that daily blocking and tackling that bogs teams down and mm -hmm. prevents them from being strategic, right? Oftentimes customers aren't able to invest in, in even the time to investigate the next SD-WAN solution because their MPLS solution is, 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 you know, taking up all of their time and resources. And so yeah. I'd say, take a look around and say, is, is there areas of my business that I'm not able to be strategic in because I'm too busy just keeping the lights on, right? Um, and uh, I, th I think there's absolutely areas where we can help them. I, I think that's great. I think everybody should look at their at their current business 
and think about how much time do you spend keeping the lights on versus how much time do you innovate uh, and look for ways to look for ways to partner and help with the keeping the lights on uh, or look for ways to partner to help with the innovation. Uh, That's right. Uh, either, either side of that coin. Ben, thank you so much for carving out time. I really appreciate you talking and, and giving us that that peek behind the curtain, if you will, uh, at the uh, Ops Center management world. So thank you. You're very welcome. Uh, happy happy to, to participate. I love it. To our listeners, if you have a question or want to learn more, visit intervision.com. We'll have show notes and they'll provide links and contact information. This is Jeff Tun for Ben Martin. Thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to the Status Go podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes or get more information at intervision.com. If you'd like to contribute to the conversation, find InterVision on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter. Thank you for listening. Until next time.